0: Hello, New York Giants fans. Welcome back to the Everything New York Giants podcast. I'm your host, Adriana, also known as New York Giants fangirl on TikTok and Instagram. And you guys, we did it! We did it! For the first time since 2011, the Giants have won a playoff game. They beat the Vikings in Minnesota 31-24 to in another nail-biter, but it was a beautiful game for the offense. The defense came up big when they needed to. There's a lot of really good things to talk about. I'm so excited, and I know that all Giants fans are just on the same level right now of excitement. It's amazing. This team thinks that they can win. They are going to go into Philadelphia with a not 100% Jalen Hurts, and they are going to do everything that they can to beat the Eagles. I'm just going to share a little warning, because if you thought that last week's episode was unhinged, this one will probably be worse, and I will do my best to rein in the cursing, but sometimes, you guys, I just get too excited, and I, I, I can't stop it, so... Like I said, I'm going to do my best, but there's just there's so much good stuff to talk about. All right. We are going to talk with our franchise quarterback, Daniel Jones. He is leading the charge. This is where the podcast needs to begin because my God, he had the most perfect game he's ever had. He could not have actually been any better. He was unbelievable in every sense of the word. That first drive, the Giants only were down in the game after Minnesota had the ball, marched right down the field, put up seven points. Giants were down 7-0, and I know all of us were biting our nails. We've seen Daniel in big games. Not, I mean, this is like the second big game he's probably ever had, but... You know what I mean. We've seen him when it's loud and when he, the pressure's on and he knows that he has to perform well, he can get a little flustered in the beginning. And, you know, I, I was just watching it and I was a little nervous thinking, thinking, please just, you know, just settle down. And it was funny because I watched Dable and you could see him a couple times on the sidelines he just kind of you know at his palms to the ground his hands up and and was pushing it down like he was he was telling them you know like settle down a second we can do this take a deep breath whatever he was trying to communicate with them but that's exactly how I felt watching Jones I'm like just just you know he's Mr. Cool, Calm and Collected always and now is is the perfect time and what do they do they march right down the field and put up seven points and i think collectively as fans we all took a big deep breath and felt like okay we we're going to be in this game not only are we going to be in this game we are going to have a shot at winning this and oh my god there's so much to say i'm almost like overwhelmed i don't really know what to start but we have to go back obviously to mr daniel jones for a second so let's talk about some stats because daniel jones Is the only NFL quarterback to throw. Let me make sure I get this right. Okay, I had to pull up these statistics because I want to be accurate for you guys. So according to ESPN stats and info, Daniel Jones is the third quarterback in postseason history with 300 passing yards and 75 rushing yards in a game, joining Lamar Jackson and Steve Young. Now, where he's differentiated between those two players is he is the first quarterback to get the postseason win. Let me repeat that for you. Daniel Jones is the first quarterback in NFL history to not only have 300 passing yards, over 75 rushing yards in a postseason game, And get the win. There is no more Daniel Jones slander. You are done. There is nothing that can come out of your mouth except Daniel Jones is the New York Giants franchise quarterback. He went 24 for 35 for 301 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and was sacked three times for 12 yards. Now, he also had 17 carries for 78 yards, and the longest was 15. Now, I think a lot of us would, would would potentially agree that maybe 17 carries is a lot for Jones. You know, I do feel like you have to do whatever it takes to win, and if that's what it takes, then do it. Um, makes me a little nervous, though. But let's continue on with the rushing yards, because this was really interesting to me is that Saquon Barkley only had nine carries for 53 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Now, he was used a lot more in the receiving game, which we'll get to in a second, but Saquon had an excellent game, and we know that Minnesota's defense is not that great, but the way that the offensive plan was to go in there swinging and trust the wide receivers, and the wide receivers stepped up this game. Was was a little surprising to me, but also amazing because we're at this point in the season where the wide receivers are what they are. And it's time for everyone on this team to step up and make plays. And that's exactly what they did. So, um, you know, you have to do what works right. And if the passing game is working and, you know, we don't need to run the ball every down. Then do what's working Uh, against the Eagles. I think there probably will be a bit of a different game plan. But listen, Saquon did what he had to do to win. He scored two out of the four touchdowns and they were beautiful, beautiful runs. He's the Saquon that you would never know was injured. He's back to himself. He's an excellent runner. He's explosive again. He's pushing through tackles, making smart decisions, just what more can you say about that? this guy? He's a team player. You know, he's a leader. I mean, the videos I saw of him on the sidelines going up to players and, you know, saying whatever he was saying to whoever he was saying it to, I think at one point, you know, after that huge slate and drop it towards the end of the game, you know, he even was going up to him and telling him, you know, it's going to be okay. So he is – he's a giant next year. He's not going anywhere. And this game really just solidified it for me. And I know there's been a lot of back and forth, but – I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, next up is Matt Breida, who had three carries for eight yards, and Darius Lane had one carry for three yards. So, again, not a huge rushing game overall. 30 carries for 142 yards and two touchdowns. And I know, you know, there's always been a lot of talk, well, if you can't run the ball, you can't win games. And, listen, we, we can prove that wrong quite a few times over. But, um, you know, every game is a different game plan. We know that Minnesota does not have the greatest defense, so – Let's do the unexpected here. And it worked out well. So talking about it, let's talk about our receivers. Isaiah Hodgins, you guys, I know, I know we've been talking about him a lot over the last couple weeks, but what is there not to love about this guy? There is nothing not to love. He is the most perfect addition to this team. He's only been here for what two months? And he this game led. The receiving core with eight receptions out of nine targets for 105 yards and a touchdown. And I am pretty sure that he is one of the only receivers this year for the Giants to have over 100 yards. Wandale hit 100 the game that he got injured. And that's it. Isaiah Hodgins, huge piece to this offense, another guy who I know who's going to be here next year, and I would be, I mean, I would love nothing more than to see him back in a Giants uniform. He has stepped up like no one else on this team has, and it is truly incredible, especially in the short amount of time that he's been here. He has made himself known. Him and Jones have been practicing together and working on their rapport and connection After practice, before practice, I mean, I've read a couple reports that say that those two have really done a lot of outside work together to work on that. And it's, I mean, you can see it. You can see it on Sundays. And uh, I just, I love him. After he caught that touchdown, he went screaming into the Minnesota fans. So I was like, yes, this, I just, I just love it. The excitement was palpable. I mean, you could just tell from the whole team. And uh, this is a funny story. So Saquon spoke to the media after the game. A lot of the players did. And what some of the media reported was that, um, you know, Saquon was asked about Jones. And, of course, you know, him and Kayvon, all of these players after the game, when they were asked about Jones and if they were surprised about how Jones stepped up and was calm and played so well, whatever, they all said No. No, you guys are the only people who are surprised. We see what he does week in and week out, and we see his talent and his dedication, and he is our quarterback. And the way that they all rallied around him was amazing. But I want to get back to Jones and Saquon for a second, because those two have really an amazing connection, and they have been through so much with this organization. And for them to finally start winning and playing their best football when it matters and proving everyone wrong is just the most wonderful thing. So Saquon was asked on the, I believe it was the second touchdown drive. Jones looked at Saquon and as Saquon, this is how Saquon told the story. Jones looked at me and said, you're getting the touchdown LFG. And, and someone went back to Saquon and said, did he say the letters LFG or did he actually say what it means? And Saquon said, no, he actually said what it means. And then Saquon said that he was afraid he was going to get fined. He's like, am I going to get fined if I say the F word? And then Paul Schwartz was like, I'm not going to fine you. So he didn't end up saying it. But I think it was just a reminder that this connection that these two have and the work they have done and they have put in to be better and to just know that they're in that huddle and they're looking at each other. And Jones is saying to Saquon, let's fucking go. You're getting the touchdown. I mean my god it just hypes me up i can't imagine what it was like to be them on the field you know so um yeah just a i just love this team and you know i think a lot of us have been saying this too is that the growth and the teamwork and the effort that we have seen This year is unlike anything we've seen from a Giants team in years and years. I mean, it's very obvious that it's all about the team. Have you ever heard a player speak to the media after a game and say, you know, I'm disappointed that I didn't do this? there's no pointing fingers, there's nothing negative, all the accountability. How about the fact that Kenny Galladay, who had zero targets, had one of the biggest blocks in the game, and Saquon was the one who pointed it out after, I think Jones might have said something about it, and Dable said something about it, and, and, you know, Kenny Galladay has had every right to be lazy as hell, to not want to be involved in this team, to not want to do anything, to not go to dinners and not hang out with them and and whatever, whatever. You know, he's raking in his money. He's obviously not a big piece of this offense. He could easily be bitching and moaning. And he's not. And what did he do? He go out. He went out there and he made a huge key block for Saquon and it just just goes back to the team I just love these guys all right so let's talk about um let's keep going on the receiving core so obviously Hodgins led behind him was Slayton who out of eight targets had four receptions for 88 yards so close to a 100 yard game for Slayton you know it, I I love Slayton and we talk about this every week right and it, it feels like you know we're beating a dead horse but it's, it's just the reality of the situation is there's a lot of missed opportunities at his hands. Now, he did make some plays. He still had 88 yards. You know, he really helped the offense move throughout the game. And, you know, after that drop, I know we were all disappointed, but there's no one that is more disappointed in that than Slayton, and you could see it on the sidelines. I mean, I thought for sure he was going to cry. He, he might have even a little bit. He just looked ab- absolutely devastated. You could see the way that Dable went over to him and and consoled him, and, you know, luckily for him, the defense bailed him out, and they did what they needed to do, and I think Slayton is really going to take that to heart, and I think what we see from him on Saturday against the Eagles is going to be someone who is even more determined to make every play he can for his team and for Jones. So I expect a big game out of him on Saturday. I think it's the first game all year that he gets 100 yards. I think this is going to be it. I hope at least. (laughs) So Saquon used a lot in the receiving game. Out of six targets, he caught five for 56 yards. You know, and I kind of have been saying that he, In my opinion, Saquon is not Christian McCaffrey, and I think a lot of people would probably agree with that in the sense that he hasn't been used as the dual threat that McCaffrey has been used with this whole year. I mean, you, especially him being on the Niners, you see what McCaffrey does week in and week out, and it's it's not what Saquon does. He's an explosive runner, but his hands are not the best, and I think he kind of proved... Us a little wrong on Sunday feeling like you know what my hands might be better than you think they are and I can be used in the receiving game and I can be a dual threat and no one is going to tell me I'm not so I'm sorry Saquon let's talk about Richie James again guys you know there's always drops Jones was 24 for 35 obviously some of those he threw away but um Richie James, four out of six for 31 yards, Bellinger two for two, Bellinger's back, my boy, um, for 17 yards, one of them, which was the touchdown. Beautiful play design. I love that. You know, we get beat seemingly week in and week out by the tight end. We did again when we get to the defense. We're going to talk about Hawkinson again. But um, to finally have our tight ends score touchdowns and be good blockers and get involved in the offense is, uh, you know, we haven't seen that in a while, and I really appreciate that. Um, speaking of tight ends, Lawrence Kager went – One reception out of two targets for four yards. So, um, you know, he's someone that's kind of been in and out of the lineup. He's been active and he's been inactive. So I think it was good to get him involved in the mix. I'm sure we'll see a little bit of him on Saturday. Obviously, Bellinger is the number one tight end, but I like when they get two tight ends involved. And I think Cager is going to continue to develop and he could be someone that we really rely on. So over 300 yards receiving for the offense, um, really good, really good day for the offense and for Jones. I mean, I just... If you look at this game and you look at the way that the offense has grown and developed over the last few weeks, you look at Jones and forget about what he did last year, but you see that the way that this offense has changed and developed and become more creative, we've never seen them run that Statue of Liberty play. You know, the fact that they're able to do things differently and really confuse other teams' defenses is so fun to watch. It is so great, and I have had people, mainly Minnesota fans, say to me, oh, well, our defense sucks. Okay, so? Our defense had a terrible game, too, and you know what? The Vikings have put up almost 30 points every single game, and we are one of the few defenses who not only once but twice kept them to under 30 points. So I don't want to hear it. You know, Vikings fans saying Kirk Cousins this and Justin Jefferson that, and TJ Hawkins in this, Dalvin Cook. Ooh, let's talk about what happened to Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson because they were not involved in the game because our defense stepped up. So I don't want to hear it, okay? So now let's talk about the defense, who definitely had a tough day. Um, I don't know what the deal is with TJ Hawkinson, why no one seems to be able to cover him, but it is what it is. We'll talk about that in a second. First of all, let's talk about the run game, because for the second time, we held Dalvin Cook to under 70 yards. I think the first game it was 63 or 58, something like that. This time he had 15 carries for 60 yards. His longest was only 11. You guys, Dalvin Cook is one of the best backs in the NFL. And look at what our defense did. So yes, they gave up 24 points. They had a hard time making stops when they were supposed to. They couldn't cover TJ Hawkinson for the life of them, but... They took Justin Jefferson out of the game. He had seven receptions for 47 yards. You guys, this is the number one wide receiver in the NFL, okay? We are not talking about the Cleveland Browns. Sorry to my sister-in-law. She listens to this. You know, this is a good offense. They can move the ball. And look at what we did to them. And the defense came up big when it mattered. So, yes, they struggled. They will probably struggle against the Eagles as well. But I have faith in them, you know? I have faith that the Eagles are not going to put up 48 points again on Saturday. That they are going to step up. They know what's at stake. And, you know, since the last time that we played the Eagles, which was, what, week 11, I think? Um or 14, maybe? I. It's been a while because, obviously, our starters didn't play them last time. So, you know, they're going to come out and they're going to play tough. Let's talk about the rest of the receiving core because TJ Hawkinson, again, again, I, I understand that they physically cannot stop the entire offense. They can't shut down Kirk Cousins. Um, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and TJ Hawkinson. I understand that. But the New York Giants as a whole have been absolutely destroyed by opposing teams' tight ends for decades. And I just don't know what the problem is. I I don't understand. It doesn't matter who the coaching staff is. It doesn't matter who the players are. It doesn't matter. We just can't stop them. And I really I just don't don't understand what it is, but TJ Hawkinson led the receiving core with 10 receptions for 129 yards. I just, I don't know, but listen, they did the best they could. Adam Thielen, who I could have sworn, I'm looking at the stats and I find it almost unbelievable that he only had three catches for 50 yards because I could have sworn that he made 10 times the amount of plays than that because I swear at some point that when Justin Jefferson wasn't involved in the offense, that it was all Hawkinson and Thielen. I just felt like they were destroying us left and right. So I guess the fact we held him to only 50 yards is not too bad. Um... And last thing for them, so Dalvin Cook was also involved in the receiving game, six receptions for 10 yards. Again, just overall, you know, the defense did a good job of making plays when they needed to. So beloved, our beloved Xavier McKinney, who's back, he came back with a bang. Oh, my God, that fourth and eight. I just, just Xavier has came up with some really big plays this year. The one against the Packers with the pass deflection that I believe was also a fourth down. Um, This fourth and eight. I mean, my God, did we miss him or what? Because him being back in the game is a huge reason why we were able to slow down guys like Dalvin Cook. And I can't wait to see what he does against Philly. I would like to see Xavier McKinney absolutely beat down on Boston Scott because I cannot, I just cannot deal with him steamrolling us again. I don't know why. Um, Philly is probably one of the few teams that it's only Boston Scott who just destroys us every single year, year in and year out. I mean, forget about the tight ends. It seems like they're not even an issue. It's just Boston Scott. I don't know what the problem is. I am hoping that having... Xavier McKinney back, that having um, Leo Williams, who has not played in any of the Philly games this year, I'm hoping that that's going to make a big difference. Um, But, you know, they got to get involved here. So we'll get back to, we'll talk Eagles another day. But Jalen Smith and Adoree Jackson, oh my God, how amazing was it to have Adoree Jackson back? They both had seven total tackles, six for loss, and Jalen Smith had a tackle for loss. My God, did we miss him or did we miss him? Having him back was everything I wanted. He just, he took Justin Jefferson out of the game. He did it. And that is what we have been missing desperately from, from this team. And you know what? Speaking of, you, you know, it talks a lot about guys stepping up this week. And um, someone I, uh, I have really not been a fan of at all is Mr. Darnay Holmes. And you know what? He must have heard me. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't actually think that he all of a sudden played really well because I said that he stinks. But him and Dexter Lawrence each had six total tackles. And Darnay Holmes had two tackles for loss, and he didn't have any penalties. And you know what? I am happy to be wrong about players when they step up and do things like that because it's very obvious to me that to everyone, that um this team can't afford penalties. And when someone like Darnay Holmes is leading the team in penalties, it's uh, a problem. So the fact that he didn't have any, and not only that, he actually made his presence known in a really good way, is amazing. I would like to see him do that again. Sexy Dexy also had a tackle for loss. Um, Tony Jefferson, Leo Williams, and Julian Love all had four total tackles. Tibbs had three. Moreau, Jared Davis, Dane Belton, and Nick McLeod all had two total tackles. Dane Belton, we are going to talk about him and Cordell Flaw in a second, but wow. Just players making, they made plays at the right time. And you know, I know the staff doesn't care whether they're a rookie or a veteran or they get paid $5 or $500 million, you know, some of these guys like Belton and Flot didn't play a snap all game and came in cold, ready to go. And the first play they're in there, they make a play, a huge play, game-changing play. And I, oh, my God. I mean, I mean, again, we talk about the coaching a lot, but like how do you, you just that's all on the coaches, right? They they know. I mean, of course, part of it is the talent and the execution. But the coaches know what they're doing to get these guys to make plays. Again, Jared Davis has only been on the team for a couple weeks, makes a couple tackles. Landon Collins, Jihad Ward, Jason Pinnick, Aziz, Marcus Johnson, Ryder Anderson all had a tackle and Aziz had a tackle for loss now not having Aziz in the game made a huge difference in our pass rush it was non-existent we didn't get a single sack Um, we did get a few quarterback hits but no sacks on Kirk Cousins you guys all I wanted was at least one sack on him And, you know, Thibodeau got held left and right. He was getting absolutely mauled. I don't know what the problem is with the refs. It's ridiculous at this point. It happens every week. I know that the coaches have, you know, kind of helped him understand, I guess, that he has to sell it more. He has to flail his arms, whatever he has to do. But when the guy's laying on the floor, what do you expect him to do? Really? I mean, he can only do so much. So... I hope that, you know, it's becoming more obvious to the refs that he is literally getting held every single play. Again, I I don't know what, it, what it's going to take to fix it. I, I don't know if he needs to sell it more. I don't know if the coaches need to teach him something or what, but when he... Is getting held like that and double teamed, and we don't have a Z's on the other side. Our pass rush is just not there. And Dexter and Leo are incredible, and they do so much, but they they need help. It's like the same thing if you only have a Z's on one side, and you have no one else on the other side. And yes, um, I think Justin Ellis was was in there, and so was. Um, Jihad Ward, but listen, they are not Aziz. Aziz is an impact player, and when he gets injured like he did in the game, there is a very obvious difference to this defense and to this pass rush when he is not in. So from what I heard from the injuries, you know, he was ruled out immediately, which immediately concerned me thinking that the quad was acting back up because they did say that he was ruled out with a quad injury. Now I did hear somewhere, and it it was either Twitter or a podcast, so listen guys, I do not know how accurate this is, but I think they heard from Aziz, I don't know if he spoke to the media or what, I didn't find any press releases with him, I mean, any press conferences with him in it, but there was some mention of him, the way he got kicked, that it might have just been a bruise and not a quad injury flare-up. So, listen, I don't think we're actually going to know when Dable spoke to the media today. He said that everyone was going to participate in practice today even though it was just a walkthrough. So, I don't think we're really going to know about Aziz until the final injury report comes out. Um, He did say that Jason Pinnock took a turn for the better. He left the game with a abdomen injury which looked a little uh he looked like he was in a lot of pain so he did get checked out afterwards and was able to fly home with them and Dable said today that he's making good progress so again two guys we just gotta keep our fingers crossed that they are going to be ready to go on Saturday especially Aziz we need him to play Um, before we get into special teams, let's talk about the fact that there were no interceptions for the Giants. And we did have one fumble, Gary Brightwell, um, but I think he recovered it because we didn't turn the ball over at all, which is one of the biggest things that we were talking about going into this game is that if they turn the ball over, like they did last time, It's all over. It's very hard for any team, especially the New York football giants, the way that they are at right now at this point in the year, for them to come back after having one turnover or any more than that. So they did an excellent job protecting the football, especially Daniel Jones, who was getting hit left and right, He took a couple hits, but um, overall, pretty good. Great job done by the offense and the defense. Last up is special teams, which as always there's not a ton to talk about. The Giants only punted twice the entire game, which is amazing. Um, and one of them was inside the 20, and the longest was 47 yards. So pretty good day for Jamie Gillen. He had a nice, kind of relaxing day. <laughs> Graham Gonneau, um went one for one on the field goals. The longest was 25. And then he went four for four on the extra points. So Mr. Automatic, he's the guy. He's the guy every week. We can rely on him. He's perfect. Does a great job. Great day for Graham Gano too. And Richie James was used on the punt returns. Two of them, the total for 17 yards. The longest one was 10 yards. So uh, You know, the thing about special teams is I don't want to talk about special teams, right? Like, we want them to just be there and not make any mistakes. And they didn't give up long punt returns this time. They made They were much better with tackling. And, you know, there weren't any mistakes. So when you don't have mistakes on any side of the ball, obviously, it's a lot easier to win games. <laughs> so to put it frankly, you know, in pretty much all of the games that the Giants have lost there have been multiple mistakes whether that's absurd penalties in bad spots, bad timing, um blocked punts, blocked kicks, um dropped punts, interceptions, fumbles, you name it. When all of that stuff or any of those things happen, it's obviously really hard to recover. And this This game was perfect from that standpoint because there was none of it. So, again, we won't know much on the injury front. We did make it out of the game, you know, without too much bad. So, everyone keep your fingers crossed. The injury report for today just came out. And, again, it's a walkthrough. So, it's not, you know, it's just a projection. So, Landon Collins was listed as limited with an ankle, Isaiah Hodgins' ankle. If you guys saw Hodgins posted before the game what his ankle looked like before the game and made a joke saying, like, if I can't run that well, this is why, which makes it even more impressive that he was the leading receiver with 105 yards and a touchdown because his ankle was swollen. It was black and blue and purple and yellow, and it did not look nice or comfortable at all. So you got to love the toughness of these guys. Adoree Jackson listed as limited with a back, Julian Love with a hamstring, Fabian Moreau with a hip, and Aziz with a quad. So. I don't know what that means for the rest of this week. It is only Tuesday. Again, we'll get the final injury report on Friday, and we will find out about these guys if they are going to be able to play on Saturday and if they're able, going to be able to go 100%. Now, the good news is that Leo Williams is not at all on this list, and he has been for the last few weeks with a neck injury. So it the fact that it didn't get tweaked or bothered at all during the game is huge. Um, and then they have listed as full participation is Jason Pinnock with the abdomen injury. So could mean that Jason is going to be good to go. Um, we'll see tomorrow. If he is listed as full participant, then he is good. But again, the other guys, you know, there was no mention of Landon, Adori, Love, and Moreau during the game. So it could just be soreness, stiffness, that type of thing. And with more treatment over the next couple of days, all of those guys will be fine. So I am being optimistic. That is what I'm hoping for. And, you know, we'll find out when it comes out. But I think a lot of us feel like there's no reason why the Giants can't go into Philadelphia and beat the Eagles on Saturday. The game is at 8.15 p.m. It is going to be a good one. And like I said, we're going to have Leo back, which is huge. We have a Dory back, um, Xavier. You know, we have a lot of people back that are going to make a big difference. Also, it is very difficult for one team to beat another three times in a season. I don't think Hurts is going to be 100%. He's coming off a bye. We have our momentum going here. Our players are incredible playing above the X's and O's and executing. So I'm going to remain optimistic. Anything is possible in the NFL. We have seen it this week. Do we need to talk about the Bucks and the Cowboys? I'm not talking about it. I can't, but you know what I mean. So how about the Jags and the Chargers? The Chargers, a 27-0 lead, and they lost it. Stranger things have happened. We can go into Philadelphia, and we can beat Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. Thank you guys for listening. Again, my name is Adriana. If you are on TikTok or Instagram, follow me at New York Giants fangirl and please subscribe to the podcast rate review share it with your friends if you like it and as always let's go Giants